0: This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cattles, powered by BetUS. 879-BETUS or BetUS.com.
1: Oh, well, we have been hijacked. The podcast has been hijacked. Greg and I, we were hoping that this would not happen, but here we are. The Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cattles brought to you by BetUS.com. Let's start off with the biggest news that broke this morning, Greg. Stephon Gilmore tests positive. The Patriots have now been forced to shut down their facility. Your reaction to this story? Uh,
0: Disappointment, uh, frustration, um, anger, uh, a a little bit of everything, I guess, just because we talked about it. Um, I just thought that the NFL needed to proceed with the Cam Newton situation uh, with abundance of caution that uh and I think we specifically talked about how, yes, the Patriots could be all negative right now, but that doesn't mean that's going to continue and you're risking uh, two of the marquee franchises in the NFL all of a sudden becoming uh, super spreaders within themselves, and uh, I don't know if we're gonna get to that sort of critical mass, but uh, I'm sure you've been on Twitter and you've seen people you know flashing. Stefan Gilmore uh, I think you know shaking hands with Patrick Mahomes after yeah. the game and 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 all that stuff and and I just um I'm pretty ticked off about it to tell you the truth because we just there's so much unknown about this that right now and and how it affects team sports and how it's going to spread and this and that and you know to put the Patriots on planes and, and in proximity to each other and then to the Chiefs. And then, you know, it, it's this is why I argued for like, let's just add on a week 18, a week 19. Yep. Let's just yep. push it off just so we're we're just we take it easy, just out of caution. And it just um and now it's just blowing up in everyone's faces. And now the Patriots aren't practicing today um you know now it's spilling into another another team you know with the broncos and uh you know the chiefs whoever i don't even know who they play this week but it's just it's just i'm just i'm just pissed off so if if, if, if i'm angry on this
1: pod today you know <laughs> why it's all right it's it's perfectly acceptable because you mentioned about the unknowns let's focus on the knowns what is known about this infectious disease Is that it takes at least four to five days for the incubation period for this thing to start popping up towards other people. Now, you can have a situation where somebody tests positive and then all of a sudden within 24 hours, somebody else tests positive. That has happened, right? But we even see it with the White House. You know, last night, Stephen Miller, White House advisor, he tests positive after five negatives. He tests positive five or six days after President Trump tests positive. So we've seen this movie before. in the idea, Greg, to shoehorn that game on Monday night, and this is not Monday morning quarterbacking. As you said, Greg, many of us looked at that and said, what are we doing? I tweeted on Monday morning, what the league is forcing the Patriots to do today is ludicrous. To tell the team less than 48 hours after they find out that their star starting quarterback is positive. Less than 48 hours after that, you're getting up early in the morning, you're jumping on a plane, you're flying to Kansas City, you're playing a football game, and then you're flying back with guys who might be positive. In the NFL, had the Tennessee Titans example staring them in the face. As more Titans Titans test positive and positive, two more this morning, they have an absolute dumpster fire on their hands down in Tennessee. The NFL, as you mentioned, they could have – played with caution here and said, you know what, this is what we're going to do. We're going to blow out the Pro Bowl because nobody gives a bleep about that game. We're going to push back the Super Bowl two weeks, and we're going to build in two or three extra weeks at the end of the season. Let's call it week 18, week 19, and maybe even week 20. Let's build in those weeks at the end of the year just in case something happens like happened to the Patriots. But instead of doing that, they said, oh, no, we've got Patrick Mahomes, we've got the Chiefs, we've got the Patriots. Jim Nance and Tony Romo are already in Kansas City. Let's just try to shove this game down the football fans' throats, and hopefully, my fingers are crossed. You can see him in the the visual, in the video edition of this podcast. Hopefully, Gilmore's the last positive. Hopefully, things calm down, and maybe, maybe they'll even be football, but right now, it doesn't look like the Patriots will be able to play this weekend. Looks like this game is in jeopardy. And from what we have seen in prior cases, we now have Bill Murray, who's been on the reserved COVID list as of last night. We've got Gilmore testing positive this morning. It, it, I don't want to say it's likely, but judging by some other situations, you know, it's it's possible if not probable, we'll see more positives trickle on in in the next 24 to 48 hours for the pats
0: yeah and this could go on now you're talking this could go on for weeks nick i mean this could go the patriots could be knocked offline for a month i mean if this starts to spiral out of control and then then we don't even know what you know what happens to the chiefs and you know i as you were um talking and, and about you know the nfl uh one of the things that i was thinking of was and this this really just makes me angry. We, we all know, you know, I, uh, Peter King's a friend. He's my former boss when I worked at uh, SI for the MMQB. And I remember uh, in, I think it was his Monday morning quarterback or something he wrote about this situation. And he talked about the reason why the NFL didn't just start adding on weeks with the, the Patriots situation. And we all know Peter's very plugged in to the NFL office. And so, you know, he's getting this from someone there. Um, and I remember p- Peter writing uh, or talking about that the NFL, the re one of the reasons why the NFL doesn't want to get into starting, uh, adding extra weeks to the season is because of what would happen to a team that got the buy the number one seed in the conference. So they they're, they're afraid of week 18, week 19, those Their team's still playing. This team's largely done, and maybe they don't play now for a month before they play. Right. And I, when I saw that, I knew some, he got that straight from somebody in the NFL office, and I wanted to punch someone in the face <laughs> because I really – pardon my French, but I really don't give a shit. Like, figure it out. I don't yeah. care what you have to do. Figure out how we, – we just went through where there's no training camp and no preseason. And we're and we're playing games. Yeah. Like, what's the difference?
1: Like, yep. just shut up. And, and, and look, if if you think this thing's bad with the Patriots, Greg, look at what's happened with Tennessee. I mean, oh yeah. It, I mean, Tennessee has not been in their facility since last Monday. Not the Monday that just passed, but last Monday. They're likely. Let's say that everything stops. And listen, Tennessee could be complicit in this. The NFL is reportedly investigating them, whether or not they were having team workouts together last week when they were not supposed to be, which is just so idiotic. But aside from that, you're Tennessee. You have not been in your facility. It might take until, what, this weekend that you have the best chance to actually be in your facility, which means you've gone, what, 10 to 12 days without practice, unless they were doing it illegally, allegedly. Uh, and you haven't been in the facility watching film. You've been doing nothing for like 12 days. And are you going to ask them to play football? How can you ask them to play football when the outbreak is still happening? They might lose two to three weeks of their season right now. It is it is a cluster. And I, I hate to cut you off. You were on a great run. But it just, I'm as angry as you are because if the common people like you and I that don't have the data in front of us with all the numbers and all the statistics and a medical team that we pay a bunch of money to, if we can't figure it out as the NFL, then it is a disaster waiting to happen. And I wonder, Greg, I don't know how you feel about this, but when I witnessed this all play out on Monday, I said to myself, and I said it on the radio show that I have, said, you know, listen, there's only two reasons why you would do this to me. The only two reasons why the NFL would go along and shoehorn the Patriots chiefs on Monday night is either a, they're just being stubborn, which kind of goes into what you were just mentioning with Peter King. Well, yeah. you know, we got the playoffs and the bye and the blah, 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 Shut blah, Shut up. We got to try to keep it as business as usual. Right. Mm-hmm. Or B or B Greg. They're really, really concerned about what this is going to look like as we get more into the fall and in the winter months, because. No, the- you're giving
0: the NFL office way too much credit, Nick. It's, it's not that they're just they're just stupid. They're out of touch. They 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 have no basis in reality, and they think that they everything every move that they make turns to gold. It's just pure arrogance. That's why they made the decision has nothing about to do about the future and whatever. It has. That's why you're so angry. That's why you're angry because you know these people. I know these people. I've dealt with it for years. I dealt with it with Ray Rice. I dealt with it with a bunch of other you know lockouts and everything. Like they think their stuff just never stinks that it always comes up roses and it's just not they they have they have the most out of touch league office out of any of the sports and it just this is just another prime example and so yeah let's 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 move on to football before i start like throwing things
1: yeah i mean again you just can't look at the players and they've done this for years you can't look at the players in their eyes and say we worry we're concerned we think about your health and safety when you force the team's hand to get on the plane within 48 hours of finding a positive of the star quarterback who's been around pretty much everybody on the team, and you told that team, jump on the plane, two planes, travel, play the game, get close to other guys on another team, and then fly back. Now, the one saving grace for the NFL is that you look at the Tennessee-Minnesota situation – the Vikings have not had a single positive. Hopefully, the Chiefs don't have a single positive after all this. Of course, they also had their own player in Jordan Tiamu, who tested positive like Cam Newton did on the weekend of the game. So, ay, ay, ay. let's get to football, as you said. The Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles here, episode 11. Uh, lo- looking back at Monday night, it seems like it was you know a month ago now after all of this, but mm-hmm. the game just happened uh, you know less than 48 hours ago. And let's start with the quarterback play, Brian Hoyer. We all look at the red zone plays. Then Jared Stidham comes in in the second half. He throws a couple of picks. One not his fault. Was the quarterback play Greg on Monday night as terrible as it looked?
0: uh Nick, it really depends on how you evaluate that. Um, overall, yes, but I I, I want to say that, especially in the Brian Hoyer in the second half and you know really you know Brian Hoyer probably from that drive to end the second quarter uh through his strip sack uh i thought he played pretty i thought he played winning football like he, he had the <laughs> i don't want people to drive off the road um on most plays um you know look the th- there were the three plays that were the problem there were the two sacks and the interception and it all depends on how you want to evaluate the position. If you think those three plays are the end and all and be all, and that, that is really what winning football is about, then you think it was a complete fail. Um, if you think that Brian Hoyer just, this is who he is and he chokes um, in these circumstances, which I'm not going to argue with, um, there's plenty of evidence right now, then then it's a fail. But I will say, if, if for some reason the Patriots think that Uh, this was a blip because of the week that, and and I'll tell you this from talking to people around the team, Brian Hoyer and Jared Stidham got zero snaps during practice last week. So, I mean, so these guys haven't gotten very much work. We know Stidham hasn't gotten very much work because, you know, he was basically persona non grata down there with, you know, three inactives. And, you know, even though, even though Brian Hoyer completely, uh, swallowed his tongue, at the end of the first half, Bill Belichick still didn't go to Jared Stidham to start the second half. Um, so that just tells you sort of where Stidham is in the eyes of the team. Uh, you know, it, it it all depends on what they think. And do they think that both of them or one of them will be better with practice this week? I mean, if they play, and we'll just go on the assertion of that they're going to play during this podcast. Um, you know, I think that the I think that Brian Hoyer played decent football overall. Now he certainly made critical mistakes that cost this team the game. Bottom line, and that's his job, and, it, and that's his job whether he practices or not. And so he failed at that. It's just, and I've talked to people around the team, and, and I I can tell you I'm way more forgiving about Hoyer's mistakes than they are, and because as of right now. I think that that Jared Stidham is the starter against the Broncos. That could change. And, and I don't think that they had sort of team-wide meetings about that yet. Um, certainly people feel a certain way. And you could just look at – and I posted this on Twitter if anybody wants to go to uh, at Greg Abedard on Twitter. Uh, I didn't realize the reaction on the sideline to that, that Hoyer sack until I went back and watched it uh, the other day. And you see the visible frustration from everybody yep. on the sideline, including the coaches, because they knew that's the one thing that he could not do in that situation. yeah and so it was a it was a critical fail. um I do think that he played some good football, Nick, because they did have he he put the team on three 13 yard drive uh, 13 play drives. That's significant and 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 that means that you weren't a total disaster. If you're leading two 13-play drives, of course, I love our a, grading scale. <laughs> no, it's it, it's it's a moving target with with these quarterbacks. And I thought Stidham, outside of the touchdown pass, which was terrific, I thought he was terrible. And uh, the question is, would he be better with a full week of work as as uh, going as a starter? These are all the questions that the Patriots have to ask themselves. But I don't think it was an outright disaster, depending on how you're grading.
1: So when I look at this, I say to myself what are the expectations? The expectations for Jared Stidham in the situation he was thrown into. I'm not surprised he didn't play great. So I don't take that as seriously as maybe some other people would take it because you just said he had no snaps last week. Hoyer had no snaps, but let's think about before last week. Stidham's the third guy. So He's hardly out there doing much of anything. He's running the scout team. Yep. Exactly. So, you know, when, when you look at the situation, and now he parachutes into the game against Patrick Mahomes, the best team in the NFL, Monday night football, all the chaos with the travel and everything, I, I would say this. If Stidham played good on Monday night, holy crap, I, I would be doing cartwheels. The fact that he did not play well, I'm not shocked about that. The biggest issue to me is Hoyer and not just people are paying attention to the sack and we all know that is a football sin to take that sack at the end of the yep. first half and the, the the strip sack was almost just as bad because he had the initial pressure and he still tried to make a play when it was rather obvious after making the first mistake <laughs> yeah. in the second quarter, yeah. tuck the ball, hit the ground, live to see another day, Brian. The biggest issue to me that wasn't a lack of snaps thing. That was that was football intelligence. And when the game is on the line, when it's a big moment, how do you react? What do you do? And it wasn't just taking the sack, Greg, that bothered me. It was the fact that dude signaled a timeout mm-hmm. after the sack, which told me not only on the very basic fundamental level, and I tweeted out. Saying, how in the world can you mess up those two red zone plays if you're Hoyer? And people were tweeting back at me their smartassness. Oh yeah, well he's Brian Hoyer. He's not that good. But listen, this is fundamental football. This is if I, if I know if I know you can't take a sack there, even if you stink skills wise, you need to know you can't take a sack there. And then you try to signal for a timeout, which tells me as the quarterback of this team with, what, 12 seconds to go in the second quarter. It's a tight game. It's one possession, and you have a chance to go into halftime feeling really good about yourself against the Chiefs, given all the circumstances that had been surrounding that team, and you did not even know how many timeouts you had left. That, to me, is I'm playing Stidham. I'm playing Stidham because my thought is, hey, listen, we know what Brian Hoyer is. We know what he is. If this game happens on Sunday between the Broncos and the Patriots, we've seen enough of Hoyer. He's lost 11 games in a row now as a starter. He had those two brain cramps that are inexcusable. And I know Stidham wasn't great. He had the dime to Harry on the fade. And by the way, Nikhil Harry, he's getting it going a little bit. If I look at that, I say, I'm going to go see what this young man has. And hopefully he gets some snaps this week. Hopefully he knows he's the guy. He's going against a team that is much worse than Kansas City. And let's see what this kid has. Because if he doesn't have it, then we know. We've evaluated him. We can move on. But let's see what he's got. Because the stuff that happened from Hoyer, that wasn't mechanical. That wasn't skills-wise. That wasn't, oh, I just missed Bird over the top. That was brain freeze. That was a dude sphincter tightening up in a big moment. And I don't like seeing that after being in the league for 10, 11, 12 years. Yeah. Look, Nick, He bottom line is
0: he he choked. And you know who doesn't choke? BetUS, our sponsor.
1: Oh, nice. You
0: know, they, and we'll, we'll pick this up, you know, after this. But, uh, everyone, this is Greg Bedard here to tell you about my favorite sports book, and that's US. They will not let you down like Brian Hoyer. I can tell you that much. <laughs> Football, <laughs> basketball, and baseball are all they bad. Better and not. That means it's time to get down your bets. I only endorse one sports book, and that's betus.com. Why you ask? BetUS is the pioneer in online betting for more than 25 years in the biz. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity, and you need to know that you're going to get paid. You need a sports book that offers everything including live betting, MMA, golf, horses, esports, entertainment, all sorts of crap, Nick, because I know you're a degenerate and you like to bet on all that stuff. Uh, nobody degenerate,
1: degenerate cattle's here.
0: <laughs> nobody in the industry gives bigger bonuses than BetUS. Go to BetUS.com now and fill out your information. It only takes a minute. This is important. When you get to the how did you hear about us box, type in Boston Sports Journal, not BSJ, Boston Sports Journal, and you can get up to 150% in bonuses on your first deposit. Nobody beats that. So go check them out over at betus.com.
1: Betus.com. We talked about the offense, the quarterback situation, Greg. How in the world did Belichick again for the third time? Patrick Mahomes has failed to have a touchdown in the first half of three games in his NFL career as a starter. All three games, Bill Belichick is on the other sideline. What did this defense do? How were they able to contain? When you look at it, you take away the pick six through the hands of Julian Edelman. His defense gave up what nineteen points against Mahomes in that powerful offense. What'd you see?
0: Uh, a couple things, Nick. Um, number one, I thought um, I thought the the circumstances of the game affected the quality of the play. It looked like it looked like Patrick Mahomes didn't want to be there. It looked like Thursday Night Football on Monday Night um it, it's it, people will say oh uh, he's a professional this that you know, look it was different i mean when you go all week it, the nfl is is a rhythm it's a schedule type of thing i mean everything is the same they try to make everything the same every week and for you to be going through practice all week and mentally get keyed up for a 425 game on sunday and then all of a sudden it's on monday night and really even the day of the game the chiefs don't even know whether the game's going to happen like you know when the patriots leave boston and providence and they they actually don't even know whether the game's going to go on when they get there and they retest so it's it was different circumstances so i don't think you can apply it to a lot of other other things um that being said i thought the, pa- the patriots played really well and and they you know some of it i wouldn't say it was a genius plan i would say a lot of it is some of the stuff we talked about last week including dropping eight guys in the coverage. Yeah. You know, a lot of defensive backs. I mean, we talked about, you know, the the lollipop guild, and they needed to <laughs> – you know, the key the key to making that go is you have to hold up against the run, and they did. And I thought the defensive line, the guys up there, Lawrence Guy, Byron Cowart, the guys on the edge, I thought everybody did a really nice job of, you know, doing their job against the run and make, just keeping the Chiefs honest. Um, I do think that the Patriots – Uh, they did do a lot of um, sort of pre-snap disguises. Um, Some of it wasn't, some of it was run of the mill. Some of it was creative. Like there were times where uh, some cornerbacks, whether it was Gilmore, uh, that was the first time I've seen that, where he rotated back to be a deep safety. Jonathan Jones, they would show some things. They they just couldn't, the Chiefs never got a bead on what the Patriots were going to come out coverage wise. They basically had three predominant coverages. It was, some sort of version of man to man, whether it was two man, one high safety. Uh, they did not blitz very much. In fact, they almost rushed three as many times as they rushed four. They only blitzed twice in the game. Um, they some version of cover three. So you had man, some version of cover three. And and for those listening at home who don't don't understand that cover three is you have two basically two cornerbacks and one deep safety, and they each divide up the deep third of the field as far as responsibility. So they play over the top of receivers. And then the other covers that they used a lot was they used the two deep five under zone, two deep safeties, sort of five people across between cornerbacks and and linebackers and things like that. And they really, I mean, I think it was the first three or four plays they used different uh, coverages. And, And that continued through the first half. I had them playing for in the first half, Eight snaps of man coverage, seven snaps of two deep five under, and five snaps of cover three. And so and that didn't continue as much in the second half when the score got out of reach, Nick. They played more, uh, they played more man to man just, you know, because they had to press the issue a little bit. But uh, it was a really good plan. And there's one more thing that I want to mention, and I could be way off on this, but there were some passes in that game, and especially the JC Jackson near interception. There was a crossing route to Travis Kelsey. There were a couple other passes where, I don't know about you, but I thought the ball came out of Mahomes' hand really funny. Like, he threw a couple ducks in that game, and you do not see Patrick Mahomes uh, throw ducks. And I think I think there's a chance that he's dealing with something with his arm. I think his, there could be <laughs> something going on with his shoulder. Um, and I there is some data to back that up, uh, I looked at profootballfocus.com has tracks, you know, where people throw balls. And uh, last year, on balls over, over 20 yards, Mahomes completed 50.8% of his passes and he averaged 18.1 yards per attempt. This season so far over 20 yards, he's completed 21.4% of his passes and is averaging only 8.8 8 yards per attempt. So... There's some data there. it's a small sample size, but I think all of those factors contributed to the Patriots
1: doing a really nice job against Mahomes and the Chiefs, yeah, I would say a couple of things. I would say it's now a trend, and you know, maybe Mahomes was possibly banged up. Maybe his head wasn't in it. I don't want to take away anything from the Patriots defense. This is now a number of games that we've seen them play against Mahomes and last year. You know, Some of it was, oh, it was written off because he was coming off of the knee dislocation, the subluxation or whatever, and maybe Mahomes wasn't 100%. And he banged his hand in the game. Yeah, I mean, they they played great against him last year. They played great. You go back to the AFC Championship game, as we all know, shut him down in the first half. He was completely healthy, from what I understand, in that game. So I do think you have a little bit of a trend here. And that tells me, listen, maybe, maybe some of that stuff played a role and maybe Mahomes would have been a little bit better on Monday night. But what we have seen is, especially in first halves against the Chiefs, Belichick, he does enough to bother Mahomes. And so I'm not going to give Mahomes the benefit of the doubt three straight games. I'm going to say that is a trend. He has an issue sometimes trying to figure out what Belichick's doing. And he even mentioned during the week last week about how, you know, Lamar Jackson called KC – his kryptonite Mahomes compared it to his time early on against Belichick losing the first two or three games of his career against the Patriots so there is a little bit of a mental thing there I think with Mahomes especially at the beginning of games not being sure what he's going to see out in front of him and and that that just moment of of unsure you know jumps out at you and you say well you know maybe this is a situation where he just isn't the same guy walking into Patriots games because Belichick's playing mind games with him a little bit, and it takes him a half to start feeling himself and start feeling comfortable. I would also say, listen, if you're injured, don't freaking flop on the sidelines twice, which was ridiculous. The the, the Devin McCordy, you know, barely touching him and Mahomes throwing his body to the ground like he was Kyle Lowry or Marcus Smart in the first half, and then the wise play on the sidelines When Mahomes, I thought, flopped again right after the Kelsey flop, slop, slippity, plop, whatever that was, calling a hold on Duggar, um, you know, or pass interference. Listen, you can't be flopping your body around if you're hurt. So if he's hurt, uh, if I'm Kansas City, I'm angry that this dude is hitting the ground when he doesn't have to hit the ground. I guess he bought the call and he got it. And, you know, we talked about Gilmore and the positives and COVID, so we don't have enough time on the officiating. It was Inexcusable on Monday night. The in the grasp call, you know, in the grasp is. I thought it was a terrible, terrible call, and I thought the call against Kelsey, the call on on Mahomes on the sideline. There were three huge bad calls. It's not why the Patriots lost. They turned the football over four times. They dropped two picks that hit them right in the hands. That's not the reason. Red zone execution, not the reason why they lost. But it's part of the story in that game that the officiating for the second straight game against Mahomes in Kansas City was atrocious so you know the, the league has to be better correct wait a minute, wait a minute. Be what better. this
0: what this turn into patsfan.com no podcast no like what, i mean what, look, what look look wait hang on what do you disagree
1: with what i just said
0: I, I i agree with you with mahomes on his flopping um i don't think that any of his flops really you know would indicate whether he's hurt or not i mean one of them one of them was, you know, he basically fell on his butt, and the the other one, he he knew what he was doing and and acted. The in the grass p- call, I, I I agree with you. I, but it, we we have seen those calls before in the NFL. I mean, including the Chiefs had one in the playoff game against the Titans last year, where um, uh, or, yeah, where uh, I it was it was a game against the Titans, so I'm not sure if it was a playoff game, but anyways, Mariota got absolutely leveled and uh a, f- a fumble was forced and there's no way they called it they called it his forward progress he was in the grasp and you know it's just it, it happens i i don't as far as that call goes if the if the if the quarterback is trying to make a play like Mahomes did there then you got to let it go because but if, if if a guy's just you know tucking the ball and and then something happens okay but uh you can't let it go both ways like you can't let him try to make a play, and then if he if he completes it, you're not going to make a call, which probably would have been the circumstance there. Uh, I I just don't agree with that. But you know, look, the calls are the calls, and um, I don't think it I don't think it really affected the outcome all that much. I disagree. Um, that, I, mean,
1: I mean, the Patriots have the football in Kansas City territory if the refs call that play the right way. And by the way, if there are past instances of this happening, which there are, which you mentioned then that makes me even more angry because if you've gotten it wrong in the past, then fix it. It's on the it's, NFL. It's, Nick,
0: it's the NFL. It's never going to be perfect. I understand. These that guys have played. They had no preseason. Like that, it, I
1: know, but Greg, that doesn't mean that we just throw our hands up and say, "Oh well, they missed the call again." Like, well,
0: you know, it's it's up to the you know the coaches have all sorts. The coaches and the teams have every opportunity every goddamn off season to fix this crap, Nick, and they don't do it. I so, like, you know, and, and why, that, why
1: why why are we complaining about it? Like. Because, they, it's part of the complaint. The Again, the NFL, the coaches, the competition committee—they've got to fix that call. They, they've got. To, and if you're not, it's, if, it's a gray area, Nick. They're trying to protect quarterbacks. Like I, I get it, then but in, it like,
0: no, that that play, even if they rule Calhoun down, there's no, there's no. There's no guarantee that the Patriots do anything with the ball I understand, there. But and the way that call. the timing of the first half worked out, it actually probably worked out better. They got the ball back see, right after that.
1: You're telling me the possession in Kansas City territory doesn't make much of a difference. You're telling me the call on Kelsey on a third and long, which would have gotten – I had, had no problem with that call. I had no problem oh, with that I did. I did. I mean, if we're going to sit there and talk about the little grab of the jersey for a half a second, which did not Jonathan affect – Jonathan Jones could have
0: gotten flagged for a deep pass um, to, to Tyreek Hill. Later in the game, it was, it, was, it was worse. They let it go on a third down. They didn't. These, these plays go either way. The Patriots grab all the time in the secondary.
1: Yeah, uh, so I don't want to okay. hear
0: any complaints about we'll just, getting uh, a I'll call. Uh,
1: we'll agree to disagree. When you, when you gift a team 25 yards with the Kelsey call and then the Mahomes call, and you gift them the opportunity to punt when they turn the football over, those are huge plays. Again, it's not the reason why they lost. It's part of the story of that game. And if we ignore it, we're being disingenuous. Uh, Let's move on. BostonSportsJournal.com, member question of the day. Uh, You want to check out Greg and company at BSJ for 11 cents a day on their annual plan. Not only do you get top-notch analysis of all the Boston pro sports, you're a Patriots junkie, which you are if you're listening to this, then a membership at BSJ gives you access to a ton, and I mean a ton of video analysis from Dr. Bedard. (laughs) <laughs> Should I call him that? I don't know. It uh, does on the coach's film indirect direct access to him in weekly chats. Uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing this correctly. I, I think it's Pangolin. Is it Pangolin? Pangolin? We'll call him Panger. panger i was gonna say we'll call him pangers the hockey thing we'll call him panger uh greg and by the way uh little bruins don't do something please over the next couple of days
0: yeah Um, no they're they're taking after the celtics so you're just going to talk about doing things and never do them
1: greg we know that skarnekia is an offensive line coaching legend but this year's O line has seemingly made a quantum leap with the two coaches who took over uh, for dante what do you make of that
0: uh it's it's a really good question and um Trust me, nobody's a bigger Dante Scarnecchia fan than I am. I have a, I have a very good relationship with Scar. I always have. We've attended offensive line clinics together. I've heard of clinic a bunch of times. Uh, he's uh, he's been very generous with his time with me, and um, you know, and I and I wish the best for him. He's he's one of the best people in the NFL, um, and he's he does. If there were more people like Dante scarnecki in the NFL, it'd be a it'd be a better game. Uh, you know, that being said, I think it's I think it's legitimate to bring up that uh, the work that's being done with the offensive line this year, and I do think some of it is uh, you have to give you know a plus two. I think overall they're healthier this year, and I think that David Andrews not being lost for the year, he has been lost for a couple weeks um certainly helps things uh but you have to point out that you know the the two times that scarnecki has retired uh one of them i think it was i think it was 14 it was one, yeah it was 14 uh he wasn't there when they won the super bowl and uh you know it was dave DeGulamo. he was the offensive line coach i don't think he got basically fired 2 years later i don't think he did a great job i think a lot of it was you know lingering and from Skarnick teaching and it was a veteran group and all that stuff. Um, but, uh, I think it's, I think it's fair to say that, uh, the different voices of, uh, you know, the offensive line coaches and I, I am, you know, forgetting their names (laughs) right now. And, uh, Cole
1: Popovich or whatever it is. Is
0: Popovich. that That was the other one. Uh, they're, you know, they're doing great work. And I think, uh, you know, I, I think in both circumstances, like it, it's not that Scar was not as good as people say or whatnot. I just think that, you know, sometimes different voices help. And I think that the off what they've done with the offensive line this year has been tremendous. I do think that there has been an, a talent infusion. Yes. I think that Owenu is obviously a, a very good player and they hit on that draft pick um i he was he was my top player in this game i thought he was outstanding i thought he was the best offensive lineman in this game he did a great job um you know heron stepped in he did okay he had his issues in this game justin heron another six-round pick um but you know there's been a constant flux of what's i mean james ference was he was terrible last year when he got a cha- i mean i'm not I'm not underselling that. He was terrible last year. He was out of the league for a long time, the Patriots' bottom back, and he played very well the other day, much better than last year. And so somebody's doing something well. It happened when Scar retired last time. It's happening again when uh, Scar retired this time for good. And I think you just have to say that um, the new voices are helping.
1: Yeah, I mean, the good sign to me on Monday night, you're without Andrews already on the IR, right? And then, of course, Shaq Mason is not going to play in that game on Monday night. Then Illuminor at one point got hurt. He got pulled because of a migraine headache. Uh, Wynn has come up limping and and looks like he's got a leg issue bothering him, calf issue, whatever it's been the last couple of weeks. And there was no discernible difference between the level of play. I mean, maybe – if you look at it inside like you do, Greg, and you break down offensive line play every single snap and that stuff, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there was a change of the level. But as somebody just watching the game, it, it didn't jump out at me as as a big problem. And Anwanu is a beast. And if you know, I know Pro Football Focus. We've talked about this. They have their differing, you know, gauges of what how they rate guys and all that. But according to Pro Football Focus, Anwanu is literally rated as the best rookie out of the draft for the first month. Like yeah, yeah, I, I really again, we, we can we yeah. can mess so he's around. He's played great. Her, he ha, he has played great. I'm but saying I mean if everybody's going off of the same system, right? Whether whether we agree or disagree about what pro football focus does, their system is their system. And within their system, he is the highest rated rookie so far in the first month. He's above guys like Joe Burrow, who I, I think they had as fifth And if you look around and just listening to you and other people that pay close attention to offensive line play, as you said, it looks like the Patriots hit a home run on that pick. And he's been really good, and he's also versatile. So that has absolutely helped. I think the offensive line is one of the bigger stories uh, for this team early on. Will we be able to talk about this team, this game, coming up this weekend? Will there even be a game against the Broncos? Greg and I, we're not sure we'll figure out something to talk about on the next podcast coming up later this week. Hopefully fingers crossed. They are playing the NFL. They have to get out of their own way. It's the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles brought to you by dot We'll talk to you next time.